ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife. News breakdown. Well, we had robo-debt, but what about robo-tax? The Tax Commissioner, Chris Jordan, has revealed that the ATO has been pursuing tax debts of many taxpayers who were unaware they owed money, any money, even for peppercorn amounts, because of the legislation governing taxation. He said he hadn't wanted to pursue these old debts, but had been forced to, after the Australian National Audit Office told the tax office it had no legal authority not to chase them. As a regulator, we can't purposely not conform with the law, he told the National Press Club. Well, joining us tonight for Nightlife News Breakdown, once again, is Peter Martin, Business and Economy Editor with The Conversation and a visiting fellow at the Crawford School of Public Policy at the ANU. Peter, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. G'day. Uh, what gives here? How can you be in debt to the tax office and not know about it? Oh, it's worse than that, uh, because not only can you be in debt to the tax office and not be told, you can be and people have been hit with interest. Now, you might think interest doesn't amount to much, but interest and penalties mean there's a a piece that we're running in the conversation tomorrow from uh, Anne K.S. Kumar of uh, University of New South Wales. She um, They run a, a tax advice service there. She gives an example of uh, someone who believed she owed no tax. Her husband had had a business, but uh, he died and... Uh, you know, the tax office said, nil, the amount you owe is nil. She thought that was the end of the matter. Till last year, she got a bill for $37,000. What? Now, m- most of that, most of that 29000 was interest and penalties. And, and this, is, this is how it's happened. And it's, uh, it's not malicious in the way that, you know, a Royal Commission has established that robo-debt, you know, asking people to, to pay money they didn't know, uh, was malicious. Um, and, you know, people have lost their mm. jobs over that. It's not that. It's called uh, or the Guardian uh, newspaper uh, website has labelled it um, robo-tax. Uh, and it's similar in that it's surprising people. And, of course, it's automated, being the tax office. So... Fair enough. But hang on, but, the, these, these yeah, are what on. tax debts that you that you owed from years ago that you never knew about. Oh yes, oh yes. So 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 what happened? Some of these debts are from two thousand, two thousand and three. No. The Olympic Games were on in two thousand. I've done a long time ago. So what what the tax office has been doing is um, when it gets a small debt, say two hundred dollars or something. And it can't contact the person, which happens all the time because people change addresses and TFNs are a bit of a tax file numbers, a bit of a mess back then, right? So um, it would say, look, it's not worth our effort collecting this, just like any business would. Mm. You know, you're not going to collect a a bill for $2 or something. Mm. So uh, uh, that was its practice. Now, the uh solicitor general the commonwealth solicitor general gave it different advice in the audit office uh, last year and the advice was you have to collect all debts owing unlike the social security law where uh, you sent a link once it can let whole classes of taxpayers off whole classes you know of recipients off the hook the tax office has no authority to let individuals off the hook and what the Solicitor General told it last year was it is required to collect debts. In other words, it's required to do stupid things. It's required to collect five cents, right? 
Uh, so so the, the office, it had no choice. The, the commissioner has uh, explained this and he's quite right. It had no choice but to start sending people these letters. Um, it's true that they weren't as sensitively uh, written as they could have been, but it, it's a, a real... Uh, it is... He, he also said as he is uh, uh, bowing out Chris Jordan after uh, 10 years, retiring, he said that... Uh, the tax office was the third most trusted government entity. This, unless something is done, this will end that. This is this has the potential, and I was around, you know, when mm. RoboDebt was uh, uh, starting. This has the potential to go very, very bad. That sounds appalling. Appalling. It is. Now, what can be done about it? Well, um, believe it or not, the tax office was warned of this in, in a problem by the in a uh, warned of this problem by the Commonwealth Ombudsman uh, 15 years ago in 2009, and it said the office. Oh, you see, the thing is, the tax office says it writes off the debt. Now, right but hang, off, on the, hang on, the tax office makes deals with people all the time. All the time, it all makes the time. deals with business all, all of the time. All the time. If you owe a lot of tax, you can you can negotiate with the tax office, and they can come. You can come to a deal. Frank Lowy can. I can't. Hmm. So, so that's a very good point. Uh, for individuals, they can't. But what what they did was to say they wrote off the debt. Now the uh, ombudsman said, look. Your definition of write-off is actually wrong. It's not the common definition of write-off. All you do is pretend it doesn't doesn't exist, um, and so that's why they people, you know, they sent out statements that said you owe nothing. But the reality is, and there's no, the tax office has no discretion uh, on what's owed by individuals. That um, it, the, the debt t- did still exist and was accruing interest. Now, if you ask nicely. Uh, because um, the author of the piece in the conversation in advising, uh, you know, worried people has asked nicely, you, you can uh, get the interest waived. But um, it has no authority. It was told years ago, 15 years ago, it was told that it had to tell people the truth on their tax forms. It had to tell them that they did owe money. Sure, yeah. it could tell them it was choosing not to collect it for the time being. But it chose not to do that. The only way out... Um, I think, is and the government may be planning this, is legislation. That is yeah. the government to exactly. give the tax office the power to do what any business would do, what any sensible person would do. I am not going to chase my children. You know, I paid my daughter $31 for lunch this week and you know she didn't spend it because mm. she bought lunch from home. I'm not going to chase that. No, exactly. There's crying out for it. Peter Martin's with us uh, for the Nightlife News Breakdown. Uh, on to super funds and uh, our biggest companies. Paul Keating spoken to the Fin Review, Financial Review, pointing out that industry super funds will increasingly seek to nominate directors to boards of companies where they hold a significant stake. What did he have to say about they, this and what are the implications of this? Well, Paul Keating has turned 80. I don't know about the Finn Review's timeliness because he actually turned 80 on January January 18. But anyway, they had a big, uh, you know, interview mm. and looking back on his career. Um, his baby, uh, superannuation, compulsory super, is now so big, it's uh, the, the tail has outgrown any sort of dog. So at the moment, it's uh, $3.5 trillion uh, we've got in super. That's the economy. That that is the amount we spend in an entire year is two point five. So, 
It's so big that um, my super fund, uh, the biggest Australian super, sends 70% of its money overseas. It can't find anywhere in Australia to invest it. Where it does invest in Australia, um, the point is, his point is, it's getting to the stage where it's going to own very large shares in big companies, 15%, 40%. And what you usually do when you do that is want a board seat and want control. Mm. Now, some people would see this as, um, you know, unions uh, uh, appoint members to the boards of uh, industry funds as well as employers uh, as um sort of union streams come through. But we've now this baby, and it's about to get bigger because we're moving up slowly to 12% of our salary going into super. This huge baby, uh, Keating's baby, um, you know, it was uh, 2001. Mm. He, uh, no, 91, he began all this. Um, it, it's, uh, it's outgrown Australia, but to the extent that it invests in Australia, um, it can't really invest really because as soon as it starts to, it pushes up the price of any company mm. it sloshes its dollars into, but it's going to have to either take companies private or run them. This, Keating says, and uh, the Fin Review got a whole lot of uh, experts uh, to comment on it today, and they agree, this is going to change the, in the, the nature of capitalism. will be a bit like Singapore where, um, you know, uh, investment funds, uh, you know, compulsorily acquired um, from citizens run the large companies. Mm. It, it'll be different, he said. Interesting. He's probably right. Interesting. To the Reserve Bank, the review last year saw the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, accept all the recommendations of the review board, uh, including removing the government's reserve powers to intervene and so on. Uh, and also to overrule the central bank if judged necessary. Uh, you might be facing an uphill battle on this. A Senate committee hearing from some big names uh, all have criticised key aspects of this legislation. Every so, one of the big names so they don't want the RBA. The what, they don't want the RBA to be completely independent. No, and it, it's hard to work out where the idea came from. One of the uh, members of the Reserve Bank Review um, appeared, uh, Renee Fry-McGibbon, and, and she said, well, this came from you know, practice overseas. But uh, the uh, two former governors, uh, Governor Ian McFarlane, uh, Governor Bernie Fraser, a former treasurer, Peter Costello, and Paul Keating himself has uh, spoken about this, said, do not remove Section 11. Section 11 of the Reserve Banks Act is the veto power. Now, this power has never been used, although the politicians have come close to using it sometimes. It says that the government, uh, if it disagrees with the governor of the Reserve Bank, on a particular thing, can overrule it. It has to go to the Governor-General, and uh, you know who will uh, approve it, um, and then it has to be uh, the, the reasons for it, the Reserve Bank's case, the Parliament or the government's case has to go before Parliament and uh, your statements uh, for and against, so it's in the open. This is an sort of ultimate sovereignty of Parliament issue. Now, what um, Peter Costello said was, uh, I'll quote him today, I can only think that to, to give up this power, the parliament would have to not trust itself. And Bernie Fraser had a, another argument. He said, look, and he's been a big power of, you know, big supporter and, you know, got the Reserve Bank practically independent. But he said, you need a safety valve. So, you can't. You can get rid of this veto power, but if you do, politicians 
We'll find other, because they are held responsible for what happens in the economy, we'll find other ways to um, influence or overturn or work against what the Reserve Bank's doing. So it's the fact of having this veto power there, even or maybe especially if it's difficult to use, uh, is, a, is a useful safety valve. So the, the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, is... Um, uh, looks, it's looking less likely. Depends how the coalition votes. The Greens uh, want Parliament to retain its veto mm. power. The coalition hasn't made up its mind, but it's it's uh, it's looking like it'll get less of a, an okay. easy passage than it was going to. Interesting. Hey, just finally, uh, uh, Taylor Swift, the American um, music star, of course, is in Australia at the moment. <laughs> No. Need to introduce her that way. We oh, know no, who she is. No, 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 no. No, no, I know you do, but there are plenty of people who don't. Uh, oh, and right. she's giving four concerts in Sydney over the weekend. Uh, some people say, "Oh, this is there's a tremendous economic effect here because after all, a hundred thousand people come to each concert." Uh, there's been some analysis done on this economic effect, and it turns out it's not as great as you think. Uh, Shane Oliver from AMP has uh, done it. Look, people have said, oh, this will delay interest rate cuts, all of this spending, <laughs> and reverse the fall in inflation. These are his numbers, right? And he, he's been generous. He says, assume each attendee spends $900. Okay, that's quite a lot. But mm-hmm. fair enough, some of them got to travel from interstate. Um, he then makes the point that all of the money from the tickets basically goes overseas. It doesn't affect the Australian economy, right? And um, also, that money was spent in, hmm, when did the ticket sales take place? Last year. I don't know, sometime last year. So uh, anyway, he he reckons that uh, at the end of all that, it's worth uh, $400 Sounds a lot, but um, it's over some time, and it works out at 002 of that uh, annual GDP I was talking about. He thinks, I think his uh, idea is uh, that uh, these um, uh, economists and journalists who've been writing these sort of stories should uh, shake it off. Uh, Philip, it's it's (laughs) not a thing. I love that. Hey, I love this. I love the fact that some Americans apparently have been very puzzled by the numbers in the Melbourne concert. This is, you know, 196,000 people, I think. And because, after all, Americans are thinking nothing's bigger than America. And they're saying, yeah, oh, well, they, that can't yeah. be right. There's no, no, no goddamn way. And they've been count, car counting. Uh, well, yeah, well, they've, they've thought the photos was fake. So the MCG, we know what that looks like from the air. Hmm. And they're looking at it and they're saying 96,000 people, you know, Humph. bigger than any US study. And then they're saying, where are the cars? <laughs> uh. <laughs> now, of course, in the US, they have the stadiums out of cities. And, uh, you know, the poor sods have to try and get into their cars and drive home after. And you can see miles of car parks from the air. I think uh, it's tonight or Friday night, um, Taylor Swift opens in Sydney. Uh, And uh, when I last sort of looked at Google Maps, I didn't see many car parks near the Sydney Olympic Stadium either. Well, there are car parks there, but good luck getting (laughs) into them. Yeah, that's right. I I think most people will take the train. Take the uh, train, yes, exactly. The Americans will, um, will remain perplexed at our strange ways. Indeed. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, uh, we've, uh, it, it, it's quite an achievement to uh, hold the biggest concert in the world. And I guess that just goes to show that we not only love Taylor, we love cricket. Correct. Yes, at least in Melbourne. Correct. All right, Peter, great to talk, as always. Thank you. You, you too. 
You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.